Hey, this is John the American Hilljack Lane, and I'd like to formally welcome you to the American Hilljack Files, Episode 8, Rollover, The Slow Death of the Actor Music Scene, and Other Bullshit. Oh, what a tangled web we weave when first we practice to deceive. These wannabe promoters and half-ass club bark venue owners are all about digging the grave for our beloved music scene out here in Akron, and the true victims are not just the bands, but the fans themselves. I know for myself and many others, it is like watching a snuff film played out in living color right in front of our eyes. I keep preaching if we don't pull these on-site local music scenes from around the country together by using positive and teamwork, we ain't even gonna have music to hold on to in the near future. Yet it seems my words are falling on deaf ears and dumb brains. But before we get into the dirt, accusations, and opinions, I'd like to start things out with the American Hilljack's credo, or maybe just my view on how I live my life. Slow and steady wins the race, and good things come to those who wait. I may not be moving as fast as I want forward, but at least I'm not standing still or moving backwards. The only one stopping me is me, and I will forgive the trespasses of those who try to stop me. Because I am a pro-positive, real, and original person who will do no harm, but take no shit. As long as I have air in my lungs and the ability to entertain on the stage, on the air, or on camera, there truly is no limit. In this world of chaos, untrustworthy people, and uncertainties, the time has come to fight, fuck, or hit the bricks. I, for one, am going to keep being a pro-positive, real, and original person, dig my heels in, and fight with all my being. You may see me struggle, but you can bet you'll never see me give up and quit or just roll over.
over from Southern Ohio's resident redneck metal madman Rat Bastard Syndicate to kick off the music portion of the American Hilljack Files right there. You can check those guys out at ratbastardsyndicate.com. The Rat Bastard Syndicate is a combination of Steve Theato and Keith Pickens, long association, having written hundreds of songs together, toured the world together, and having similar musical tastes. Leonard James compliments this association with his thundering low-end and killer vocal style. Rounding out the lineup is Vinny Salvatore, who also share a history of writing, recording, touring the world, and consuming the fine craft beers with Steve Theato. This band is a loud, dirty, and real. What you see and hear is what it is. Uncompromising and generally ill-behaved, too old to give a shit and too stubborn to give up. This is the Rat Bastard Syndicate in a nutshell. Old Keith Pickens and Steve Theato were members of one of my favorite Columbus, Ohio bands, American Dog, and I see these guys coming together with this lineup, and it kicks ass. I hope to do some shows with those guys. You cannot tell me that that band isn't cool. If you do, I'm going to tell you you're lying. Just make sure you check those guys out at RatBastardSyndicate.com, and I'll keep you updated on more of their stuff, and I'll be playing more of their stuff. I got their disc when we played with, with uh, Steve Theato when he was sitting in with the uh, Hillbilly Hot Rods at the Empire Concert Club. I haven't stopped listening to it yet. Kick-ass band. Well, oh, what a tangled web we weave when we first practice to deceive and kill a music scene. Before I get into my on-filtered rant, oh, you heard me right. I got a full-course meal of unmixed words for the ears to feast upon. You know what I'm saying? I'd like to examine the meaning of this common use saying its origins, and what it means and how it applies to the Akron music scene. The quote, oh, what a tangled web we weave when we first practice to deceive, refers to how complicated life becomes when people start lying. It originally referred to a love triangle in the play Merriman by Sir Walter Scott. The line comes from Canto 6 or 16 in the play. In the story, Lord Merriman is trying to win the favor of a lady. This lady was already involved with someone else, but Merriman decided to use this position to go forward anyway. He accused the lady's suitor, Sir Wilton, of treason. Wilton has to then flee the country after a fight. Later on, Merriman dies in a battle, and Wilton is able to come back and marry the lady. The quote is often used to talk about the complex destruction or destructive effect that lying tends to have on life. When people start lying, they have to remember all the details of the lie rather than their true memory in order to keep the lie going when others ask about it. The court also refers to the fact that lying often has an unforeseen consequence. In the context of the play, the lie Merriman tells leads to the exile of his lady's betrothed in addition to a fight that would not have happened if Merriman had just told the truth. See, honesty is the best policy, right? Now, all this leads me to elaborate on a few subjects I covered in my last podcast and segments, Only Positivity Can Build a Music Scene and the Outpost and Their Half-Assed Promoters. Again, I'd like to pre-qualify and reiterate that these are my opinions and mine alone. As I've said, I am no puppet that someone shoves their hand up my ass and makes me talk. There are only two people in this world that I try to accommodate by kissing a little ass, and that is my mother, Beatrice Clark, and my significant other of 13 years, the original some chick from Akron, Teresa Dewitt Irons. In other words... If you don't own the womb that shat me out or the own the one who bored my child, you get treated accordingly 
on how you conduct yourself, at least in my eyes. I calls it like I see it, and if I am wrong, call me on it. Get on Skype, and let's do an interview, and let's debate the fact. But until I get a person with enough guts or balls to talk about things, I guess I'll just have to do what I've been doing most of my life and talk to myself. Well, I guess this will be a little different because you mother truckers will be listening. So, here's the situation. The Outpost and the promoter Crash Logan canceled the December 1st Jackal show at the Outpost just a little over 24 hours before the show was set to begin. So far, the blame has been put on the fact of there only being sale of 100 tickets for the show itself, 50 of them being on the online buy option through the club, and the other 50 through the bands. So... I don't know how that works. Now, as I covered in my last podcast, neither the club nor the so-called promoter got the tickets to at least three vultures until last week, a mere nine days prior to the show. I didn't see Logan promote the show but once and only once on Facebook, nor did I see the Outpost promote the show till last week via Facebook, like three or four times. So basically, both were lazier than a sloth on sleeping pills and the depending on the bands to promote and bring in the cash to pay for Jackal. In other words, it is the old faithful way of doing things by using the local bands like $10 hookers to pay for the national coming through that has destroyed so many music scenes across the country. To me, it is like strip mining that was done throughout our nation where a company would come in and get all they could out of an area and then move on, leaving the place robbed of its resources with little or nothing to show for the area itself. Now, I don't want to put the blame for the Jackal show on the Outpost and Crash completely because I say this because Jackal was scheduled to play the Craft House Stage and Grill in Pittsburgh on November 30th, and that show was postponed and set for another show to be named at another venue at a later date. According to the clamor on the Bookface event for the Pittsburgh show, a lot had to do with the PA not being 100 decibels 120 decibels or something some other shit maybe jackal didn't want to come to kent being they weren't coming to the berg but it still don't excuse the clusterfuck of disorganization of having tickets in the band's hands two months ago rather than a week or two weeks before the show logan and the outpost they just to me dropped the ball now i ain't trying to sit here and cause a bunch of shit and stir a bunch of things but it does drive me up a fucking wall i see all these bands that are really talented bands now please like i said pre-qualify this is just my opinion i won't sell tickets especially for shows like this especially for promoters like this because i'm not stupid all right Bottom line is, what what am I going to get out of it? If I don't have a bunch of merch and a bunch of CDs to sell and a table that's, you know, pushing this shit, it's worthless to me, okay? I can make more money putting a show together at another club or at the outpost itself, which I see other bands do, and make the money. And someone say, what well, ain't all about the money? Well, it isn't all about the money for some, but I'd like to break even and not bust my ass. Just c- kind of my thought processes. Maybe I'm wrong. If I am, like I said, the Skype app is great for your computer or your phone, and we can debate this. I just see so many bands busting their ass out there and doing so much. There were six bands on this bill. Do we understand? Six bands. Okay. And in those six bands, you only sold 100 tickets. Now, I don't want to blame the bands because, first of all, I think if you're a promoter at a club 
that you are trying to put on these shows, you should be busting your ass to get people through the door just as much as the bands. I'm sorry. There's a lot of people that disagree with me that want to say that, you know, basically when you work at a bar now or a club that you are just rang the venue. Nah, bullshit. That's the whole problem that has drove things to where they are within music itself. We got clubs closing faster than, you know, I can ever believe around here. Chuck Dobbins has been calling places, and most of the places we're calling, some of them are shutting down as soon as the beginning of the year in March. I ain't gonna name names till it's you know put out because I don't want to cause any issues any more than I usually do. So, why is this going on? It's because no one is standing up and trying to make a change. Everybody out here wants to divide. Everybody wants to fight with one another. And I'll cover that in the next segment after the music break. All I got to say is it pisses me off. It's not about me. It's about all these young bands. And they're trying. And some of these bands have opportunity if they get put in the right position. These shows are not the right position. Do you understand? They ain't covering shit. And in the logic of things, if they were going to put together a show to try to make it successful, okay, if I was a promoter, if I was a promoter, and the only reason I can't be a promoter is because I don't get along with people on the sense of talking business because I'm logical and a lot of these people aren't. And that's the bottom line. You have Jackal. What is Jackal and Jesse James known for? They're known for biker metal biker redneck metal okay you've seen full throttle saloon you got jesse james bourbon you get yeah this is what they're known for so in logic in logic if you're trying to put on a show that's going to pack through the door because that's the idea do we understand shows are not just to have you want to put asses through the door so how do you put asses through the door you advertise in places where that crowd is attending Okay, with a crowd that goes that would see that that would be willing to buy a ticket. Where are those places? It's simple. What I just say, Full Throttle Saloon in Sturgis was a biker place, right? So where would you advertise all the places that bikers and people that ride bikes go or sleds, whatever you want to say? So you get the Harley shops, you get the tattoo shops, you get places like that. Okay, drive through drive throughs. It's simple. Drive through liquor stores or uh, drive through places where you can pick up beer and stuff out here. I'm sure if you ask these guys, they'd hang up a hang up a flyer at least. That would entail that the club and the promoter would have to put a little cash into something, but they don't want to do that. They want to take these bands and put them to work, which I do think the band should work, but I think it should be a joint effort. Now, here's another thing. I love my son's band, Three Vultures think they're great but they are not the exact type of music that should go with them right go with jackal so per se and me and johnny's discussed this so i'm not insulting him even if i was he'd tell me to pound salt just like he does everybody else so my thought process is if you're gonna make the best show that can be the best drawing to put asses to the door you need to put a package together that would kick ass right in that type of venue in that type of music Around the Akron Canton music scene, in my eyes, you take bands like the Rat Bastard Syndicate that you just heard. 
You take Sean Perry and the Hazard County Rebellion, which I'll be playing them later. You take Downspeed. You take uh, Hillbilly Hot Rods. It, those are the those are the bands that you need to you know try to go to, and you try to get a deal with them. There's other bands too, the Velvmatics, yeah, the Hemi Devils. Right there, right there is the corner hub of those type of bands, and LA Knights that was on the band band's bill as well already. Right there is your pretty good pretty good lineup if you took that right. Now you make a deal with these bands and you say, hey, we'll give you so much of the ticket sales. Here's where promoters go. No, no, Jesus Christ! Well, how are we gonna pay for the national? Well, you dumb fuck. If you have that many people coming, you won't have to worry about how much money you're giving everybody, right? You know, you give them a little bit of incentive to you know want to sell these tickets, and that's what you do. Then you start advertising. Like I said, you get all these flyers, you get different things, you put a little money in it, okay? And hey, I'll tell you what, any promoter out there. Kick me 50 bucks. I'll make you flyers. I'm not the best, but if you look at the Hellfire Club stuff, I can make you some flyers. We'll advertise this shit properly, and there's other people that'll do it less than what these people are charging. Other people, that is, that want to charge $150 an hour and shit. You give me 50 bucks, I'll make you, you know, a main flyer. You go do all the work and actually pay to get them printed. Now you put them in all these places. Now there's all kinds of other free advertisement right here. Podcast, jackasses. My podcast, there's Ohm's Radio Podcast, there's uh, Brandon uh, Chaos's podcast, there's all kinds of podcasts around that are getting listened to that you could put advertisements on. And guess what? Here's another thing for you. I'll be playing a commercial that I did in this next segment. Listen to that. I can do that shit too. And I'll do it for a reasonable fee as well. I ain't going to charge you out the butt. I'm just trying to help the scene have some free advertisement. And you can use that on anybody's podcast, not just mine. There's other other things. Free A lot of these newspapers, if you have an event, if you send it in, they'll print it for free. And that's an email. okay? And these jackasses that sit on Facebook and bitch about this, guess what? You can easily send an email just as much as you can post a status and whine and bitch. Huh. Takes effort. See what I'm saying? Now, you take all that, you put it together, and you're going to have people, more people come to the bar. But instead, you got guys like Logan and the Outpost who are going to take these bands. They'll take any band that's willing to sell tickets. If your band is playing a flute and the guy beating on a fucking drum, maybe even a Tinker Toy drum, and you're willing to sell tickets, they'll put you on the show. That's the, That's stupid. You're defeating your purpose, and I'm tired of it. It's killing the scene, which I'm going to go over, but I'm just tired of this shit. And someone needs to stand up and start going against it. I'm just one person, and I'm not saying that even my band totally agrees. I don't speak for everybody in my band. I'm speaking for me. But I know this. We agree that we will not sell tickets and work with people like this because it's a waste of time for us. It might work for other people, and that's fine. If you want to do that, like I said last time, if you want to do that, just know where you're getting fucked. Because you are. You're getting used like $10 hookers. No one gives a shit whether your name gets ruined or not. Because here's the whole thing. Now all these bands that sold tickets, which I guess amounts to like 50 tickets between six bands that split up. And I hate to say this, but I'm not trying to, again, 
you know, pat myself on the back, but it sounds like they sold a good portion of that 50 themselves. So what does that say for the other bands? I'm not putting them down either because I know it's hard. I know it's hard to hustle tickets. But all those, all that was done. Now these people have to go back and track down the people and give back the money. Now, for some, they just sold the friends. For people like my son's band who goes to college up at YSU and work, like Johnny said, some of the people he don't even know. It's going to be tough for him to fucking do that. And I feel for him. But that's when you get into these you know, situations, that's what you're stuck with. And it's hard enough to play in a band, keeping everybody organized, keeping everybody together. The Hellfire Club does it. We go through it all the time. We have enough hard time that we lost two musicians and had to replace them. Because it is a balance. And it's a job. Some will say, well, I do it for fun. Great. I do it for fun, too. I love playing. I perform the same way at practice as I do on stage, which, you know, can be annoying at times in both cases. But why do all this? If you're trying to do something with your band and trying to do anything, whether it's even if you're just trying to make a name in the local scene, when you get involved in stuff like this, it just kills your momentum. It just kills your name. It just kills everything that you're trying to prove and do in any sense. Your best bet, if you want this all to change, is when these promoters offer things, <laughs> treat them like a stranger offering you candy to get in the van. Walk away, tell them pound salt, stay away from these motherfuckers, and they'll disappear. But no, too many bands that think that's the way it is, it's desperate. You don't have to be desperate. I'll tell you what. You contact me through Facebook, through the American Hilljack Files uh, Facebook page, through the American Hilljack Pro Series radio page, through my personal page, through the Hellfire Club page, we'll try to put some shows together. Because that's what we're doing. We put our PA back together, which I ain't looking forward to it, like I said in the past. Fuck that, man. It's going to kill my back and everything to haul that shit in and whatnot. But that's the only way to do it. Because there's no clubs that are really left around the Akron area it's all going downhill. Now, the Empire Concert Club, and I'm not trying to kiss ass, they got what's going on. They're trying. But everybody else, they're dying by the wayside, and they're all going to be gone. I'm sorry. It's the truth. And I'm going to touch on that in the next segment. I'm not going to beat a dead horse because I got more to come. I just want to get this off my chest, and I want to give uh, the Outpost and Logan, hey, guys, fuck you. You screwed a lot of bands. You screwed some good friends of mine that were going to bring a lot of people. Kim White, all them. And you can you can blame it on anything else, okay? But you weren't organized. You weren't organized just like 90% of the fucking shows that you put on out there. You know, I seen the Smile Empty show be a definite train wreck when I was out there with Johnny. And I hope, you know, if you want to hold it against anybody, you hold it against me. My name is John Alfred Lane Third. Okay, don't hold it against anybody else I'm talking about. This is the only reason I even mentioned Johnny's band is because he's my son. I'm very proud of him for trying all he does. That kid fucking goes to school, works two jobs, plays in four different bands, hustled the tickets out his ass for you people. And you should appreciate somebody like that. But you don't even appreciate any bands 
that do anything for you. You use them. And that's what I'm tired of. Bands being used. That's just my opinion. Could be wrong. And like I said, you want to debate it, get on Skype. We can talk about it. Because I'm not going to talk about it with you one-on-one. Get in the hot seat. If you believe in everything you do, you should have no problem in coming on the air and talking about it. Bottom line. If you don't believe in what you do, you're going to try to do it behind closed doors and send me private messages and all that shit. Yeah, I'll still talk to you on private message, but I'm not going to kiss your ass. It's I'm sorry. I could be wrong, but I don't think I am. But, hey, like I said, what do I know? Well, another band out of the AK Valley Pittsburgh music scene that is making a lot of noise in the tri-state area is a common crown. This band has the powerhouse rhythm section of Steve Craven on bass and drummer Matt Franny. I'll brag more about them after the music break. They also have the dual guitar virtuosos of Zach Shepard and Daniel Mamano. What makes them truly unique is their amazing vocalizing frontwoman, Jennifer Haymars. Now, for all you male ego-driven musicians who like to dismiss a female in this industry as some non-contributing entity to a band... Jen has one book you don't want to judge by its cover. Jen knows every aspect of the music industry along with the music part that is only a small bit of it and will hold her own amongst all you cockstrong guys out there. Just this past weekend when the Hellfire Club played her establishment of the sidebar in Catang, Pennsylvania, Jen got up and sang Sober by Tool with us and gave the old Hilljack here a run for his money. That woman has a larger than life voice inside that small frame that can rival any vocalist out there, male or female, me included. Check them out on Facebook.com, A Common Crown, or get on YouTube and see their video for this next track, 17 Lies. Right now, though, you need to strap yourself in and get those ears set to hear some of the best female-fronted metal Western Pennsylvania has to offer. Here's A Common Crown with 17 Lies right here on the American Hilljack Files. Get you a pull off of this, money truckers.
order in the court. Your Honor, I'd like to demand a sidebar. Demand? Sir, we haven't even called a case. You better have a good reason to demand anything. Well, I do have a good reason, Your Honor. I just want to go to the ultimate dive bar in Armstrong County, let alone the world. Sidebar is a small bar with a big atmosphere open seven days a week. It's a place with a big city feel and a rural community. It's the ultimate dive bar. Trashy with a touch of class. Sidebar is some of the best food with their menu of delicacies to please your taste buds. It also has a wide selection of seasonal, specialty, and domestic beers from around Pennsylvania, the United States, and the world. Sidebar provides some of the best live shows in the area featuring local, regional, and national acts which include everything from rock, country, punk, to hip-hop. Sidebar is all about live entertainment. So if you're looking for a place with great food, great people, and a great atmosphere, Sidebar at 190 Clearfield Pike in Catang, Pennsylvania, right around the corner from the Armstrong County Courthouse, is definitely the place you want to be. Like them on Facebook to keep up on all their events and specials. But more importantly, stop in and become part of the family. So, Your Honor, do you have any objections about the Sidebar? Only that you didn't tell me about this place sooner. I might have to hold you in contempt of court the next time you appear in front of me. Really? Well... Not if you buy the next round some more of those wings.
said I don't know why I feel this But I know that it's real That you're probably gonna wind up dead And without hesitation And no reservations I won't forget the words that I said That's alright with me Everything will be alright When it's time, it's time, it's time from Slant 6 with Walls from After the Fall before that, wrapping up what I'm going to call the Craven and Franny triple feature. That's right, the rhythm section on all three of those tracks, including the one from A Common Crown, 
was being held down by AK Valley's own rock stars, Steve Craven on bass and Matt Ferrani on drums. Better yet, the commercial about the sidebar in Catanning, Pennsylvania, that ran between those songs, that place is owned by Steve Craven and Jen Haymars. Plus, Matt and Steve are the founders and the creators of the nonprofit organization who puts on festivals at the Island Ball Field, which they own, and they put on a slew of other fundraising shows at other clubs around the AK Valley Pittsburgh area. And that organization is called Rock for Life. To say I idolize these two men as not only musicians, but as business owners, promoters, and just all-around good human beings would be a true understatement, to say the least. To me, in all honesty, Matt and Steve are true, pro, positive, real, and original people who live to do no harm, but take no shit. If I live to be half of a man as those two are, I would call my life a success and consider it a job well done. My hat goes off to you, Steve Craven and Matt Franny, and I'd like to personally thank you for all you've done and continue doing for the AK Valley Pittsburgh music scene and for being an inspiration for all of us out here still trying to make an imprint in the music industry no matter at what level. Well, the patient is on the operating table, struggling. Blood pressure is low, heartbeat is weak, and the preacher is standing by to provide last rites when needed. A team of doctors is needed to save this poor dying soul, but all the best physicians are too busy fighting against each other and looking for glory to actually save the patient. And the family, a.k.a. the music fans, is out in the hallway, helpless, just waiting to hear the results. Maybe it sounds harsh, but that is my view of how things are for the Akron music scene. It is truly on life support and fading with little to no signs of resuscitation. While I get I can come off like an arrogant Neanderthal asshole like my idols, especially while I'm on stage or while I'm on the air, this truly saddens me and makes me feel helpless and sometimes hopeless. Someone to think I feel this way only because of my own ventures with my band, the Hellfire Club, but nothing could be further from the truth. I see a ton of younger up-and-coming bands from around the Akron area who aren't going to have the opportunity to even play a show at a decent venue, let alone get noticed by anyone who can further them in the industry unless they move away from Akron to follow their dreams. And that is sad. When I seen Red Sun Rising break out of the rubber city and take the national circuit by storm charting and touring with Hugh Jacks, I thought that just maybe if all the bands in the area could start working together, a couple more could get the attention and would become a scene to be watched. But as quickly as that thought crossed my mind, it was crushed. Crushed by the closing of clubs and a bigger divide within the musicians as the backdoor politics and cutthroat tactics became more prevalent than lying from a normal politician. As I touched on in my last segment, since 2013, anyone with a book face page, an email account, and a cell phone suddenly became a promoter. Clubs, bars, and venues started closing up quicker than a woman's legs in a room full of greasy man whores, and most of the club bars and venues that were left either went to DJs or karaoke or began booking the shittiest bands who were willing to play for nothing or at least next to it. I watched crowds dwindle down to handfuls where standing room only used to be. I watched a show that normally would have three to four bands go to six to ten bands on a bill with no one making money because none of them draw, and I watched as egos and selfishness drove everyone to be every band for themselves. (laughs) Truly, 
As of late, I feel like Rick Grimes from The Walking Dead trying to get everyone to safe haven to survive comfortably for a while. But I found myself being made a bitch by the so-called elite and the clubs around the area, who I guess are my Negan. Or maybe I'm more like Daryl Dixon, who tries to stand up for the little guys in the scene, and they get bashed in the head by a bobbed wire bat, and just like Glenn did. It's sad for me. It's sad for a lot of people. I hate when such a thriving music scene at one point is now so like a lonely, dying entity. A lot of bands that are, how do I say this, less prepared and unqualified to be out there are doing so much, but the thing they're doing is killing the scene because that's what they think's all to offer out there, the average club goers, because that's all they see going on in these clubs. I'm not trying to put anybody down. I get that there's maybe some sort of fan base for that, but in all honesty, a lot of these bands that are just, I don't get it, and I'm not knocking it. If you got a fan base, push it, do it, God bless you. But there's a lot of great bands out there that aren't getting to play or have the options to play because other bands are holding them down and not giving them the opportunity. Clubs don't want to book them because, God forbid, the club has to give up a little bit of cash. And as we talked about in the last segment, you have these promoters that, hey, come be my whore and make me money and I'll be your pimp and take all the money. That's really sad for me. I always thought that it would change. I always thought that it could be better. But as I've watched, it's gotten worse. Since uh, Mike and Ripper closed up, what's left? You have three. You have three that is going to soon be down to two. The Empire Concert Club and Bar, like I said before, I'm not trying to kiss their ass. They're about the only ones that are really trying to do it in a proper manner. Uh... Casey's Nashville Knights has some things going on, and you got Chugs. Now, you got other places around the area, but those are the only ones that I see they're trying to push anything. It's all falling on the bands, and that's fine. But a house divided will not stand, and that's what it is. We're all divided. I don't go out and try to search out everybody. I feel maybe because I am known enough and you've, a lot of these people have known me for 13 years that if you want to work with me, contact me. I just don't go out of my way. I try to make things happen for my band and for other bands that work with us and other bands that send me their stuff and I play them on here because I want to see things thrive. And the biggest part of it is is because the younger band's coming up behind me. I'm 43 and I know... That's not that old. But I've been doing this 25 years. And in all honesty, if things would have gone the way I planned, it would be a lot different. By now, I'd be only playing shows when I want to, living in a you know, fairly nice home, and that's all I ever wanted. I don't want to be rich. I would have taken being rich, but I just wanted to be comfortable. Because I am who I am, what you see is what you get. I'm simple. The biggest part of it is, 
when you see other scenes that I go to, and not just because I came from there, because that's always held against me, but they see them working together. The Pennsylvania area of AK Valley and Pittsburgh, the bands work together, and they try to help each other, and they promote each other's shows, even when they have a show the same night, if they can't be in the same area. Because there's enough of a crowd to pick from that people don't have to drive 10 hours <laughs> to come see them. And they don't expect people to. And they want other bands to thrive just as much as their own. Because the more success of every band is the more opportunity to have a success for your own band. Around Akron, and I'm going to put it out there, they hold each other back. And they hold each other down. Like I've said on other podcasts, they go as far as to call a venue and try to get one band thrown off and get their own band on because of some personal discredited anger issue. I don't know. I know that's the business because I've been fortunate enough to be out there and get on a mid-level. I've never been on a top level. But I've, I've seen things happen, but I don't understand why it still has to happen at all, especially at this level. As the scene's dying, why would you want to make it worse? Why would you want to cut the throat of everybody? And then you watch, as I've said in the last segment, these promoters, all they want you to do is to be their hooker and then be your pimp. Get out and hustle, give me your money, and then go away. They don't give two shits. And I'm sorry they don't. And that's most of the industry once you get to another level. And that's sad. But what's the saddest thing is, like I've tried to reiterate, the more this goes on, the less opportunity that anybody's going to have to get to another level. And I see a lot of people complaining about Rock on the Range, the lineup they have this year. And I'm sorry, but that promoter was smart. He went around, he, she, or the group that it, I didn't, I didn't do my prep work on this. This is all off the cuff. Please forgive me. But he looked at the bands that are drawing the best within the United States and stretched them over three days. And as I've said in a post on someone's book face status, from a musical fan point of view, yeah. I look at it and it's like, man, do I want to sit through all these other bands to get through the few good bands? No, not really. Okay. But that's just me. That's just my taste. Doesn't mean my taste is what is going to make the money. And that's what's important when you're doing a business is what's going to make money. And I look at that lineup and it's just like, yeah, I don't think so. That's not something I want to spend my money on. But I guarantee there's going to be a lot of people that will. And when you're in the promoting business, that's what you have to look at. Even when you're in the band business, when you're working with other bands, I might not necessarily like the music that every band that I play with is putting out. Which nine chances out of ten I do. But what I do like is when I'm on a bill with somebody and they bring people through the door and they promote just as much as I do or more. And that's the idea of it. And that's what I watch going on over there when I go over to uh, Western Pennsylvania. And then I watch bands work together. I've never been more accommodated than when we got to do staged, you know, switch over and they help each other. No one tries to hold each other back. No one tries to keep anybody from making their show harder. Everybody tries to accommodate each other and make each 
band comfortable doing the show because it's hard enough. We all got enough shit to deal with. Like I've said, bands, especially nowadays, you are up against so much. I've said it to get people to come out of their house is fucking. Oh my god, I'm I, I'm a perfect example. I am the example. To get me to come out of my house, you better have a damn event and a damn show that's cooler than anything I could see. Why? Because I don't have a lot of money. And it costs. So when someone comes out and they've spent their money, you got to give them everything you can. And you got to make sure that they're enjoying it and they'll come back. If you spend the time battling with each other, and taking longer to do set turnover, and not being willing to share drum sets, or anything like that, or amps, or whatever it needs to take on a, on a low level, because we are, we are on a basic level. And 90% of us are on a level that is, we're just, we're bands. We're not, we don't have managers, we don't have labels, we, so we got to work together. And even once you get to the point of managers and everything, I still think you should work together and have your teams work together, but... That's a whole other subject. So when you're in that position, the best bet, a house divided can't stand. And the stronger your bundle, if you bundle a bunch of sticks together, the stronger it can be. And that's all it is, is trying to bundle us all together, work together. But you can't get that. And I'm saddened by that. And I'm pissed. I'm trying to be nice here. If I really... Loosen the filter. I think it's a bunch of egotistical chicken shit bullshit that goes on that really is unneeded. There's enough talent and enough room for everybody to have crowds that we could work together and make it happen. And this way, if you get more people wanting to go out and more things happening, you can have two bands playing in the same area and both places being packed. Because it happens over in Pittsburgh and AK Valley all the time. And I'm just using that place as an example because that's where I've been the most lately. Okay, this last month. I would like to see that over here. And it was like that when I first came out here in 2002. And people tell me it was even more than that before. Which, hell, back in the day in Pittsburgh, shit, it was nothing to play a show where it was packed asshole to belly button you couldn't move in a place. But in these dying times of less money and more technology, you got to offer something more. So what are we going to do? What are we really going to do? Are we really going to stand around and just keep arguing and fighting and worry about, okay, man, if we let that band play, they're going to get more attention than us. Are we really going to do that shit? Are we really, really going to be fucking doing this? Because it's stupid. And here's the whole thing. Like I said, I'm 43. Some of these other guys that are older than me that are pulling this shit are in their late 40s, early 50s to mid 50s. While you're sitting there killing the scene, soon enough, you ain't even going to be out playing shows and you've strip mined everything and the younger bands that are trying to come up behind us, you fucked them. You took all you could get and left them with nothing. And if you tell me that is what the music business is about, it's not. And that is what has put the music business in the shitty position that is in. The industry is dying to begin with. So why would you want to fuck it on a local level? And I'm willing to talk about this shit. I would love, I would love, like I said, 
I will talk and debate, and I will give you a chance. I'm not going to sit here and ever talk to you. I want I want the logic behind it, and I want to share things. And you can tell the truth. You can tell me you fucking hate me. You can give me every reason that you hate me right here, and I'm not going to air it. That's what this is about, is to give you an opportunity to really voice your opinion and be heard. But a lot of people, like I said, they would rather go behind closed doors and bitch to one another and everything than have the balls to put it out there because they don't want the music fans to see who they really are. I am who I am. I don't try to pretend I'm not something that I'm not. I, I, it just is who it is. When you see me and you hear me, I don't put on airs. I try to be a little politically correct where I have to be, a little bit more professional here where I have to be. When it comes down to the end of the day, I'll be honest with you. I have no reason to lie to you. I have two ex-wives to lie to, and I even quit lying to them. Notice I didn't say I have a girlfriend to lie to, too, because she gets pissed about that. <laughs> Maybe I'm growing up. Oh, what the fuck is that? But, in a nutshell, what are we going to do? I can sit here and bash everything, and I can complain for hours, and I could, you know, get in a pissing contest. But it's not about all that. It's about how we can fix the scene and make it a little better. I tried to do it by teaming with some people to do a local radio station, internet radio station. Unfortunately, a lot of those people had their own interest and left me with a lot of work to do. And I ain't going to lie, when that all happened and that failed, I got depressed. Because I wanted to do something to help people. I really did. And at that point, in all honesty, the Hellfire Club, I didn't even know was going to be able to carry on. And when I got depressed about doing that, I removed myself from doing so much with podcasts and everything. The Hellfire Club benefited because I started paying attention to it more and worked harder. And now I'm trying to find the balance where I can do it all and make it all happen. And trust me, I'm failing. (laughs) I'm treading water. There was too many chiefs, not enough Indians. Everybody was out for their own agendas. I honestly just wanted to give something like the PA Rock Show, the Pennsylvania Rock Show does for the AK Valley Pittsburgh music scene. Something that is tangible, something that offers something, something that helps build. And that's what the American Hilljack Pro Series was going to be about, and hopefully still will be about, is doing what's good for other people and building, just like Rock for Life was. Or is, sorry, Rock for Life is. I've got some opportunities coming up in this next year that I'm going to try to capitalize on, not just for me, to help others. And I don't know how to say it. A little stumbly today. It's just real downward trodden and depressing sometimes, and I try to get past that. But it ain't always easy. So, in closing, while I ramble, you people need to think about this. All you bands out there that are up and coming, let's all pull together. Any band that has music that they want played, I would love to hear from you. I'd love to put it on the air. Anybody that wants interviewed and talked about their band and talked about their experiences, or maybe even other guys that just want to help. That you know, Hey, some of your promoters, like I said, anybody. Put Skype on your phone. Put it on your computer. We'll have you on here. Let's share the ideas. Let's put it out there. Let's start something. What can it hurt? Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think I am. But who knows? So back to the action as it stands, the Hellfire Club and myself had the opportunity to co-headline a show with Sean Perry and the Hazard County Rebellion at the Empire Concert Club and Bar recently. These guys are a country, rock, pop, hard rock, punk, blues, grass, classic rock, 
party music group featuring members Sean Perry on vocals and guitar, Grayson Lattimore Jr. on drums and percussion, Dave Romweber on guitar and sly guitar, Mary Satagio on bass and harmonies, Kevin Theed on guitar, and they're straight out of Vermilion, Vermilion, Ohio. You can check these guys out at facebook.com forward slash Sean Perry and the HCR. But right now you can hear them right here on the American Hilljack Files with their song White Girl Wasted off their latest release, Country Girls. Hold on to your ears, Flash. We're in hot pursuit. Again, she's getting all dressed up and headed out with friends. She woke up with a bottle of Jack that she's been nursing since half past ten. She's talking that smack, hating on trends, hating girls' shoes and all the ex friends. Oh Lord, what a mess we're in for. It's one shot, two shots, give me some more. Straight line, three sheets to the wind She holding out, hope something good would happen She's trying real hard to make herself fit in There ain't a fault, no one taught her better I'm sure she never thought it would be like this Ten shots should take away her problems She dance on the bottle, she gets kids She's white, the wasted she ain't taken straight I would love to love her, that's gone Have to wait, she's had six tequilas and a box of wine She might get arrested, she might Don't have to wait She's had six tequilas and a 
Like Enos, Old Terrigen Sky is singing the praises of Miss Daisy Duke, and the old American Hilljack here is singing the praises of Terra Chain Sky here on the American Hilljack Files. Please check these mother truckers out at facebook.com forward slash Terrigen Sky. And remember, 
Church in the Sky, along with Destroyer's Court, and After the Fall, will be joining the Hellfire Club for a show at the Empire Concert Club and Bar in Akron, Ohio, on January 21st, 2017, for the Rubber Meets Steel show. The, I, I can't tell you how this is as much as exciting me, because we're taking two of the best bands from the Pittsburgh area, After the Fall and Church in the Sky, bringing them out here and putting them with two of the best bands from Ohio, the Hellfire Club and Destroyer's Court, and we're going to give you guys one hell of a show to see. you gotta, you got to come out and see this, all you people. Church and Sky is just gritty, raw, fucking in-your-face, good, southern-laced metal. After the Fall, great in-your-face metal. The Hellfire Club, you know what we are. And Destroyer's Court is in-your-face metal. It's going to be off the hook. I hope you guys really, really Get into this. I'm going to promote the shit out of it. We're going to have some announcements about that. Get with uh, Eric, and we're going to make this one hell of an event. Well, I want to talk about what's going on with uh, the presidential election recount. Upon doing my research on the presidential election recount being called for by Jill Stein, I came across an article on WND.com by Bob Onruh that pretty much sums it all up for me. Weeks of recounting a long list of court hearings up and down the state and the federal court systems, myriad legal motions and all the strategic the Democratic Party could muster in 2000 failed to overcome the 537 votes, giving George W. Bush the Florida victory over Al Gore. So what is the likelihood the party 16 years later could overturn tens of thousands of votes in multiple states to change the election day victory by Donald Trump. Even the Democrats concede it's not expected. Because we had not uncovered any actionable evidence of hacking or outside attempts to alter the voting technology, we had not planned to exercise the option ourselves, to request a recount that is, but now that a recount has been initiated in Wisconsin, we intend to participate in order to ensure the processes proceeds in a manner that is fair to all sides. Mark Ellis, the general counseling for the Hillary Clinton campaign, wrote in a weekly column at Medium.com. He pointed out all the investigatory, I'm sorry, investigatory, yeah, that's what it says, all the investigatory efforts already made by the Clinton campaign, with lawyers and data scientists and analysis coming over the results to spot anomalies, numerous meetings, and calls with various outside experts to hear their concerns or attempts to systematically catalog and investigate every theory, examine the laws and practices as they pertain to recounts, contests, and audits, is what Mark Ellis said. The party is also monitoring the post-election canvas in which voting machine tapes are compared to poll books, provision ballots, are resolved and all the math is double checked from the election night. It is Green Party candidate Jill Green who is raising or Jill Stein, I'm sorry, Jill Stein who is raising stunning amounts of money more than five million already to fund recounts in Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and Michigan. The Clinton campaign is joining those efforts as they develop but in those but in those three states, Trump's victory was by a total of about 107,000 votes. 
it, this was even pointed out by Ellis himself. And Carl Balak at the 538 blog noted the margin is way beyond anything that ever has been overcome in a recount. Recounts typically don't swing enough votes to change the winner, he advised. Out of 4,687 statement general elections between 2000 and 2015, just 27 were followed by recounts according to data compiled by Fair Vote, a nonpartisan group that researches elections and promotes the election reform. Just three of those 27 recounts resulted in a change in the outcome, all leading to the wins for Democrats. Al Franken's win in Minnesota's 2008 U.S. Senate rate, Thomas Salmon's win in Vermont's 2006 Otter election, and Christine Grigore's win in Washington's 2004 gubernatorial race? Something like that. He said recounts also typically don't change the margin by an amount that would be large enough to affect the result of the presidential election. The mean swings between the top two candidates in the 27 recounts was 282 votes with a median of 219, he said. The biggest swing came in Florida's 2000 presidential election recount when Al Gore cut 1,247 votes off George W. Bush's lead. Ultimately, not enough to actually flip the state. In each state Trump won or leads in, his advantage is more than 10,000 votes. He said some statewide races that have undergone recounts have far fewer votes than the closest states in the 2016 presidential race. But even the percentage terms, the average swing was 0.2 percentage points, which could be enough to flip Michigan, but not any other states, and therefore not the Electoral College. Even with Michigan, Clinton would be 22 electoral votes short of the 270 needed to win. (laughs) With Michigan's 16 votes certified for Trump this week, his total is 306 to Clinton's 232. That means even if the outcome in Michigan... The state with the closest margin at this point would be reversed in a recount. Trump would still win 290 to 248. If Pennsylvania also would be reversed, Trump would still win 270 to 268. It would take a reversal in Michigan as well as Pennsylvania and Wisconsin, which has 10 votes to give Clinton a 278 to 260 win. But in Michigan... Trump won by 10,704 votes. In Pennsylvania, he won by 68,232 votes. And in Wisconsin, by 27,257 votes. In Wisconsin, a statewide recount five years ago pitted incumbent state Supreme Court Justice David Poser, a conservative against liberal challenger, Joanne Kloppensburg, the race was decided by just 7,316 votes out of about 1.5 million cast. But Kloppenberger, or Kloppenberg, I'm sorry, could only gain 210, 210 more votes in a recount and failed in her challenge. Richard Barr at the American Thinker posted that the delay is the objective. The recounts, if done by hand, which can be demanded, may take longer than the last day for completing the official counts in a state and directing electoral college voters. 
If all three states miss the deadline, Trump is a 260, Hillary at 230, no one hits 270, he explained. Then this goes to Congress, where the House voting, one vote per state, elects Trump, and a Senate select Pence. This would be first time in ever this happened since 1824, but in that case, John Quincy Adams won in the House, though he had fewer electoral votes from then Andrew Jackson. Hmm. Pretty deep. But he said the impact is this. If this goes to the U.S. House and Senate and the results is the same as the result from the Electoral College without the recounts, why do it? The answer is to make Trump seem even more illegitimate, that he did not win the popular vote. He lost by over 2.1 million. He did not win the Electoral College, did not reach 270, and was elected by being inserted into the presidency into the presidency by members of his own party in Congress. He pointed out that if a state doesn't name electors because of an unfinished recount, the number need to win goes down. A majority of those named is enough. Even with 260 to 232, Trump should win unless there were lots of faithless electors. Okay? A second possible motive could be be to build support for a movement that aims to eliminate the constitutional requirement for an electoral college. The result could be popular vote race that could be controlled by a handful of largest states putting lower population states on the sidelines. But to amend the Constitution, many of those states would have to approve, which is unlikely. However, the group National Popular Vote once the Electoral College changed so it reflects the national popular vote, the group contends that the Constitution gives state executives an exclusive control over awarding their electoral votes. So, Interstate Compact would declare the winner of the presidential race would be the candidate who received the most popular votes from all 50 states and D.C. on Election Day. Ironically, it was Trump who said during the campaign he would review the results before simply accepting the outcome announced on an election night. It was Hillary Clinton who said the nation for 240 years has accepted elections. Hillary said he refused to say he would respect the results of this election. He is threatening our democracy. Stein filed for the recount in Wisconsin last Friday, and on Monday, state officials agreed to proceed after Stein makes full payment, an estimated at $3.5 million by a deadline of Tuesday. Wisconsin officials already have said they have found no evidence that any of their voting machines were hacked. They defended their count and promised a recount would be fast and fair. Now, on Monday, Stein started the process for Pennsylvania recount. Officials there said the deadline for such a protest was November 21st. So a court case would have to be filed by then. If there's a recent request in Michigan, reports said it would not automatically be granted, even if the fees are paid. If a request is submitted, the Detroit Free Press reported Trump would have a week to object Then the Board of State canvassers would hold a hearing before issuing a ruling on whether they're going to do a recount. 
Trump, meanwhile, has pointed out that Clinton already has conceded the election, telling the Americans that the next president will be President Trump. He immediately suggested that the number of illegal aliens who voted probably would have turned the popular vote his direction anyway. The legacy media members, such as NBC, include claims that he was just publicizing thus far baseless claims of voter fraud, and the Washington Times said his allegations were without specific evidence. <laughs> yeah, whatever. However, the nonprofit Americans for Illegal Immigration PAC released dozens of pages of documents noting 46 states have prosecuted or convicted cases of voter fraud. More than 24 voter registrations are invalid. There are more than 1.8 million dead voters still on rolls and more than 2.75 million Americans are registered to vote in more than one state. The group also said the Florida New Majority Education Fund, Democratic Party of Florida, and the National Council of La Raza currently are under investigation for alleged voter registration fraud. While Jill Stein and Hillary Clinton try to delegitimize President-elect Trump's historic win on November 8, 2016 by calling for recounts, their strategy can be quickly turned into a nightmare for the Democratic Party and the SEIU political machinery that willfully engaged in mass election fraud using a host of George Soros financed organizations and operatives. Republican conservatives, Trump supporters, and all Americans that value fair and secure elections should be encouraged to turn their attention to the vast Democrat voter fraud that made the race much closer than it should have been. This is what is said by the group itself. <laughs> Interesting, right? Donald Trump is absolutely correct that large volumes of illegal votes were cast in 2016's presidential election race predominantly for Democratic candidates and illegal immigrants were brought across the borders to reinforce Obama and Hillary Clinton in these elections, said William Sheen, president of Alipac. Obama himself admitted on video to Spanish-language audiences comprised of illegal immigrants that illegals would face no scrutiny or hindrance registering to vote and voting both of which are felonies and deportable offenses. We will work hard to ensure that American voters are never faced with their votes being stolen and muted by foreign nationals again. Let the continuous and historic 2016 elections be remembered as the point where Americans secured our borders and ballots from illegal immigration. Breitbart reported that a prominent left-wing money supplier who gets behind many progressive campaigns had been behind Ellis in earlier fights. The report didn't say that George Soros was writing checks for their recount battle, but it said Ellis, a senior lawyer at Perkin Coy in Washington, which works for Clinton and the Democratic National Committee, produced had been pledged up to $5 million from Soros to fight restrictive voting laws, restrictive voting laws and enacted in recent years by Republican-controlled state governments. At the time, the New York Times said Ellis specialized in voter protection issues and had been in contact with Soros about the series of lawsuits over the issues. The report said the, the goal was to try to influence voting rules in states where Republican governors and Republican-led legislatures have enacted election laws since 2010 and to be ready to intervene if additional measures are passed over the next 17 months. 
The Washington Post also had reported at the time on Ellis's supporters with a multi-million dollar commitment from the liberal mega donor George Soros. Ellis is challenging laws that he argues diminishes the impact of important Democratic Party constitutionies of African-Americans, Latinos and young people. So basically what Bob is trying to tell you in this article is that Stein and Clinton are going to waste a ton of time and money to cause more divide that will eventually set up either martial law or a Democratic victory in 2020. Whichever comes first, I guess. Isn't that sad that these rich, manipulative politicians and over-glorified, self-appointed know-it-alls get to play with our lives like a game of Monopoly when they haven't a fucking clue about what the real blue-collar men and women of this country, the real Americans, truly go through on a daily basis to work and survive. Scary, isn't it? Or just a bunch of cat toys, these mother truckers, in my eyes. My son's band's lyricist, vocalist, guitarist, Dustin Cutright, wrote a song based on all these things I just talked about that has been going on for centuries. I've played it on many other podcasts. The song is called Capital Punishment. You can check them out at Facebook.com 3 Vultures. But right now, open your ears and your mind and listen to Capital Punishment from 3 Vultures right here on the American Hilljack Files because it's united we stand and divided we fall, mother truckers, and we need to be united. Don't shout about 
Yeah.
unnecessary bullshit right there from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania's own Skell. And like I've said on a few podcasts before, those mother truckers have lost a drummer. They need a drummer. Please check those guys out. Hook up with them. You can't let that band go down. They mean the world to me. And uh, someone needs to get in there and beat those skins and bring that band up to par. Well, just because you've made bad decisions, it really doesn't make you a bad person. I myself am not proud of the choices I've made personally or professionally in my life. I've drank, screwed, and screamed, and violently destroyed way more opportunities than I'd like to count. But this past month has showed me a lot of who I am and what I've become. After 25 years in this business, my mother, Beatrice Clark, actually came to a show at the sidebar in Catanning last weekend. It was very satisfying to me. It filled my heart. I've seen a lot of friends there that I've played with over the years in other bands. My former guitar player, Brent Robinson of Payne's Invention, along with uh, another band that I played with in high school, guitar player Jason Hartman's band, Breaking Point was one of the bands that actually played with us, and it was really cool. We had Dave Runyon come down from Clarion, while he lives in Fisher now, and uh, he brought like 30 people with him in a bus. It was a great show. I've been balancing more, trying to get my family together, and it's going well. I've made some amends and talked with some close family members, including my daughter, Jenna, who I love dearly. I hope that... uh, Over the holiday season, more things come to light. I'm not where I want to be, but I'm nowhere fucking near where I used to be. Prayers do get answered, and life does get better when you start being better for yourself. I am living proof of this, and I hope I give an example for people so they know that don't give up. Just keep in the fight and do what you have to do. It's a battle. It's an uphill climb. But the more you climb, the better it gets. And pretty soon you'll reach the peak. I see my prayers, good thoughts, and good vibes to have the strength, durability, and willpower to be a better man, to make bigger changes, not just for myself, but for my family, my friends, and those who depend on me. Thank you to all of you who have taken the time and supported me as I evolve into more than I could ever hope for. So what did we learn today, boys and girls? Let's review. We learned that half-assed promoters and clubs like The Outpost in Akron, Ohio are a waste of time for any band that's trying to do the best to make their band a brand and actually make an established mark in this industry, even on a small level. We also learned that come together and bond together is the only way we're going to revive the Akron music scene that's on its deathbed. We learned that uh, Hillary and Stein are going to waste all kinds of time, all kinds of money, in causing a bunch of havoc, and we're still going to have Trump as an elect. And the biggest thing we learned is that to never give up and to always push forward. But while I may sound negative in my delivery on these subjects, I still do believe that there's enough of us pro-positive, real, and original people who live to do no harm but take no shit in this country. Hell, in this world, that if we all put aside all the petty, immature bullshit and work together, we can make a difference in turning this big blue marble around for the better. Like another wise man I share the first name with, my idol John Lennon always saying, you may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. I hope someday you'll join us, 
and the world will live as one. Thank you all for listening to this week's episode of the American Hilljack Files. And make sure to go to aprayradio.com for other episodes of this show and as well as others. And articles and other stuff for all you Mother Truckers Entertainment. If I offended you or you want to debate me about anything I said, the floor is yours to come on here or send me a book face message. You can get on Skype. We can do an interview. I keep offering that. It's out there. Just remember, I am who I am, and it sure ain't Popeye. I am John the American Hilljack Lane telling you to keep pushing through and keep your head down to avoid the bullshit. Here's American Dog to send you out as you mother, mother truckers go on with your day. Catch you next time on the American Hilljack Files, and may things just go the way they need to for you. Now I don't know what you think you know about me or my ways, but I've been doing this so damn long, I'm pretty much here to stay. So when you tell me what to do or what I should be, well here's what your opinion means to me. It's bullshit, God damn it, bullshit, I can't stand your bullshit, and I don't like it, no sir, not at all. Maybe you've got good intentions, but I done made up my mind. I don't care about fashion, being cool, or even on time. I've already got my own path and it's much too late to quit. And frankly, your opinion don't mean dick. It's bullshit. God damn it, bullshit. I can't stand your bullshit. And I don't like it. No, sir. Not at all. Bullshit! I can't stand you! Bullshit! Motherfucker!